Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. weekend it was on the diamond on the hardwood and in free agency Woo! we're gonna get to it all good morning welcome to rp3 and company appreciate you making us part of your morning commute here early on this monday morning 604 to be exact we got a great show lined up for you today We're going to talk all things New Orleans Saints, including their latest edition with Tina Howe of Canal Street Chronicles. She'll join us at 8.30 for the Big Easy Blitz. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. He will join us. We'll talk a little UL softball gearing up for the Clemson Regional, as well as the UL baseball team looking to get back on track after getting swept at the hands of the best team in the conference, Texas State, over the weekend in San Marcos. That'll be coming up at 8 o'clock. And at 7.30, we're going to talk all things LSU. What an awful weekend at the box for the Tigers. They get swept for the first time in program history by Ole Miss in Baton Rouge. Never had happened before, ever. And their RPI dropped from 16 to in the 30s. So hopes of hosting a regional just probably went out the window unless they make some run in Hoover. But we haven't seen Jay Johnson's team make a run in Hoover before. So we're not for sure if they can. You think they can? We'll find out. We'll talk all things LSU with Jeff coming up at 7.30. Of course, we'll take your phone calls. Game hotline's always open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Also... Right before 7.30 this morning, I got two tickets to Downtown Rising, headlined by the Cold War Kids. Coming up in just a matter of weeks, I got tickets to give away. I got tickets to give away. So we'll have a trivia question for you right around 7.30 this morning. To give away those tickets to go see Cold War Kids at Downtown Rising. We'll also speak on NBA playoffs. Houston Astros had their winning streak snapped but bounced back and still took the series. As they keep things moving. But we're going to start off with Jarvis Landry. That's right. The former LSU Tiger. He has now come home 
He's playing for the New Orleans Saints. Something many people thought would not happen. You didn't think you are going to be able to get the money right. They make it happen. Once again, Mickey Loomis, wizard with the salary cap. They convinced Jarvis to take a one-year deal. He could have got a deal elsewhere. He could have got a better deal elsewhere. Could have got a multi-year deal and everything. Opted against it. Opted to return home instead. Something Tyron Matthew did as well. Another former LSU Tiger. And... What does this do now for the Saints? They keep making moves. Like the draft has come and gone, and they just keep making moves. They got Tyron Matthew, which had been rumored about for weeks beforehand, right? Weeks beforehand that the two sides had been in serious discussions, and then they were waiting for the draft so they didn't lose any comp picks. And they signed the honey manager. But then they bring in Juice, Jarvis Landry. This news breaks on Friday in the afternoon, I do believe. It was around midday. It was after Kevin's show had come and gone. So we didn't get a chance to react to it live on the air in the morning. Only a one-year deal worth up to $6 million, which means it's incentive-based. Five-time Pro Bowler signs a one-year deal to come and play for the Saints. And what does this do? Well, we speculated about this last week. But now you got Michael Thomas on one end. Chris Olave, the rookie on the other. Jarvis Landry will be in the slot. Taysom Hill at tight end. And then you'll have Deontay Hardy or Marquez Callaway or Traquan Smith at the other wide receiver spot. You got Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield. Yeah. That's a pretty wicked offense to have to worry about because who are you going to double? You can't double anyone now. You can't double Mike because I'll leave one-on-one coverage with Alave. And you got Jarvis Landry coming across the middle. And you have Taysom Hill lined up in that joker role slash tight end. And you got Alvin Kamara coming out the backfield. Oh, and then you had guys that got reps last year at the one, two, and three spots for wide receiver that will now have no pressure on them whatsoever because now they'll be the four, five, and six with Callaway, Hardy, and Traquan Smith. You want to go five wide, you can do that. You want to have certain packages where you put Callaway and Hardy on the field with those other guys, you can do that. The wide receiving core went from this team's weakness a year ago to now one of its strengths. The defense got better. You lost Marcus Williams, Malcolm Jenkins retired. You bring in Marcus May, you sign the Honey Badger. You got better. You had a good draft. You address needs at wide receiver, offensive line, 
and on the defense. You address special teams' needs as well. But are they done? I don't think so. I don't think they're done. I could be completely off base. They did not. They were unable to get Sonny Michelle, former first-round pick, to sign with them, formerly of New England. He signs with the Dolphins instead. So you still want them to bring in another running back because even though they may be high on the kid out of Baylor, the undrafted rookie free agent, Mark Ingram isn't getting any younger and we didn't see anything from Tony Jones Jr. And Kamara may face a suspension. So you still got to deal with what's going to happen and running back. That said, you addressed all your needs with your draft. You were aggressive in free agency. You got creative with your free agency. And I'm not even for sure if they're done. Jarvis Landry spoke to the media yesterday. He was introduced there at the Saints facility. And he was asked right off the bat, you know, why did he choose the New Orleans Saints? And he chose, and for him, it was more about fit and less about getting that big payday. Yeah, I think there were some opportunities out there, but you know, as we continue to game plan on, you know, what I really wanted, you know, and what I wanted to achieve and accomplish, you know, that quickly got narrowed down to a few teams, you know, and once it played out and got to where it was after the draft the situation about money, it was more about, like you said, it was about fit, it was about location, and those became the priorities for me and my camp and making a decision to be a New Orleans Saint. Now you're going to have Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Chris Olave possibly on the field together at the same time. And, you know, a lot of people are curious, how's that going to work out? And this is what Landry had to say. I mean, you know, we all have different types of skill sets. You know, me and Mike more similar. But at the end of the day, I think we all are, are a problem. You know, we all pose type of threat, you know, and uh, especially here in this offense where, you know, things are interchangeable, personnels, different types of personnels different weapons. You can't ever leave out AK and the things that he does for the running game. Then obviously getting Jameis back healthy and under center is going to be important. I just love this move because it's, look, Jarvis is still young enough that he can get another contract. He's a vet. He gives you a dependable guy in the slot. And you also hedge your bets here if you're the Saints by drafting Alave, but also bringing in Jarvis Landry. What if Michael Thomas isn't 100%? All reports are that he is. But the former All-Pro hasn't played in two years. And as the Saints proved last year when they nearly made the playoffs without having a single guy on the roster that could catch the ball, You can't have enough pass catchers. You just can't have enough of them. The thing that Jarvis also brings to the table and something that he's had since he was at LSU is leadership. Everywhere he's gone, despite maybe being one of the young guys, he's always been able to provide leadership, does things the right way, good locker room guy. And he was asked about, you know, what he brings to the table concerning that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of who I am. Like I said, that's like that's my identity. That's who I am. You know, my character, my personality. You know, not only shows on the field, but it shows in the community as well. You know, and that I'm a big leader by example type of guy. And when I need to speak up, I speak up. But for the most part, you know, again, I always go back to DA and um, my conversation with Mickey has been about just coming in and being who I've always been. You know, and letting the rest play out. So, you know, that's kind of what I've been tasked to do, and that's what I'm looking forward to doing. You bring him in, and automatically those younger guys on the roster are automatically going to kind of fall in line with him. Like, he's a he's a competitive dude, and on top of it, he's going to keep guys in check. They're going to feed off of that. They really are. They're absolutely going to feed off of that. And this is the second free agent move in a row for the Saints this offseason that involves a player coming home to play for the home team, to play for the Saints. The other one being Tyron Matthew, another former Tiger and Louisiana native. And Landry was asked, has he already talked? Has he already spoken with Tyron? Yeah, I know it's been it's been a while, but yeah, we've spoken. We've spoken uh, these last two weeks. His birthday was actually yesterday as well, so we've been speaking. You know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he's new on the Saint. You know, and honestly, to tell you the truth, one of the reasons again too, he's another reason why I wanted to actually be here. You know, everything that he means to the game, obviously, but you know, the leadership that he's shown since you know since high school when I met him at a Tennessee camp doing one-on-ones, you know, and play on this level at this stage um, here in New Orleans. Um, it's something that's very special uh, to him, uh, to me, and um, I think uh, our conversations kind of, you know, led to there, and we'll continue on from there. The fact that Tyron was able to go home probably pushed Jarvis over the top. I, I, I've spoke on this. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you'll go and play for a team out of respect for guys on that roster. If if everything is the same, the contract offers that you have on the table are roughly the same, right, money-wise. And you have an opportunity to go home, but you also have an opportunity to go and play for a team that features a guy that you immensely respect. That goes a long way. It does. It goes a long way. And Landry finally also said, you know, what does it mean to him to now wear the black and gold? It's a special time. As a, as a kid growing up, being from Louisiana, you always want to play for your hometown team. So it's a blessing to be here and to have this opportunity. He's going to ball out, man. Jarvis does nothing but, you know, he catches the ball. That's what he does. Doesn't have blistering over the top speed, nothing like that. But if you need tough yardage, you just throw it to Jarvis. They have a guy like that in Michael Thomas. Now they have two of them. And here's the other thing. Not only are you not going to have to worry about double teams now for Michael Thomas, you're not going to have to worry about double teams and extra coverage against Chris Olave, which is going to allow him to develop quicker because there's two other studs out there at, in the wide receiving core. Not to mention what they're going to do with Taysom Hill at tight end and Alva Kamara coming out of the backfield. And don't think for a moment either 
that having Michael Thomas back in the fold and now signing Jarvis Landry isn't going to get guys like Deontay Hardy and Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway. Now they have to step up their game because they know, hey, we got something special here for one, two. If I want to contribute, I got to make sure that I'm reliable. That way, when I do get into games and Jameis can't throw to Mike or can't throw to Jarvis and I'm open, I got one-on-one coverage, I got to make sure to do everything I need to do to help this team win. It's a trickle-down effect. Jarvis Landry is a member of the Black and Gold. Watch out now. But that leads us to our poll question of the day. After signing Jarvis Landry, do you believe the Saints are done making moves? They still have salary cap space, by the way. <laughs> they still have salary cap space. Right now, 47% of you say maybe. 46% say no. 7% say yes. JPK, though, D says, Saints still have cap space left. They need to bring in Clowney or Hicks. Either can give them 15 to 20 quality snaps rotating in on the D-line. Todd on Twitter says, I got to think they're still going to bring in a veteran running back for depth. I could be wrong. I often am, but with Kamara suspension looming. Not to worry, Todd. I'm often wrong as well, bud. Appreciate the comment, though. And I believe, look, I believe they, they still may want to try to bring in another running back. Even though they like the kid from Baylor, you can't have enough running backs. That's our poll question of the day. After signing Jarvis Landry, do you believe the Saints are done making moves? Yes, maybe, no. Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Whether you're working or helping your wife shop for curtains, serenity now! You'll be brought up to speed on the highlights you may have missed. Thank you, you've been heffing. Here is the weekend that was on RP3 and Company. It was not a great weekend on the diamond for LSU and UL. Raging Cajuns were handed a sweep by the hands of Texas State. Not necessarily that big of a surprise, was it? Texas State's the best team in the Sun Belt Conference. There's some concern. If you listen to Matt Miguez, co-host of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the afternoons, he even talked about it a little bit. I thought maybe they could sneak a game in, win a game at Deggs' team. But they just couldn't. And the interesting thing about this is, yes, they got swept. Lost yesterday's game 11-9. Not great. It's never good to be swept by an opponent. Their RPI number, though, didn't change. Because Texas State has a pretty good RPI, and Texas State's the best team in the Sun Belt. So... The Raging Cajuns did not drop in their RPI ranking despite being swept by Texas State. And now, look, they'll get back on track. They'll try to get back on track 
They'll have a midweek game, their final midweek game of the regular season, Tuesday night. They'll host Nichols, and then they'll wrap up the regular season this coming weekend at home against Little Rock. And then they'll gear up for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in Montgomery. Did getting swept hurt the Raging Cajuns' chances of being able to get into a regional? Yes. On the surface, I'd say yes. It would have been great to get sneak a win, maybe improve your RPI a little bit there, and that would force you not to have to make a deep run at the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in Montgomery. But realistically, they still have a chance. It didn't damage them as much as we thought it would. On the other hand, LSU may have just kissed their chances at hosting an NCAA regional goodbye. For the first time ever, ever, LSU was swept at home by Ole Miss. Ole Miss, we've talked about being one of the worst teams in the SEC this year. That they were going to be possibly firing their longtime coach had been there for 20 years. Now, they've played better of late. The last month, Ole Miss has turned things around. They're a far more competitive ball club. They're not nearly, they're, they're no longer the worst team in the SEC. That belongs to Mississippi State. You're defending national champs. But to let Ole Miss come into the box and rough them up the way they did, and the concerns that you have about LSU, where's the rest of the pitching? It's not there. The pitching's a concern. And you had the issue with the weather delay pausing things. The game has to be finished on Saturday because of the bad storms that came through on Friday night. And Ole Miss takes game one, and you're like, okay, but they're going to bounce back. LSU's going to bounce back. They're going to, yeah, it's a weird thing having the game split like that. But they'll come back, and they didn't. Swept for the first time by Ole Miss at home, ever. And their RPI went from 16 to in the 30s. And left for LSU, Jay Johnson's team is a midweek game against Northwestern State, which is not going to move the needle on Tuesday. And then they have to go on the road and take on a Vandy team that's a little down this year. Let's say they take two or three from the Commodores. Is that enough? And if they make and if they make a little run at the SEC tournament in Hoover, is that going to be enough to host a regional? The NCAA would love LSU to host a regional because they know they'd sell out. They know they would make money if LSU hosts a regional. Is LSU good enough to host a regional? And that's the thing that I think you have to ask yourself. Could they go on the road to Nashville and take two or three or maybe sweep Vandy? Would that go a long way to improving their chances? Absolutely. But it does now appear that LSU is going to have to make a run at Hoover. And they typically do, in particular, under, under Skip and under Paul. But Jay Johnson's team has never been there, right, under him. This team has never been there. So, I don't know. It was a bit of a stunner there at Alex Box Stadium over the weekend. McNeese, meanwhile, got after it. Got after it. Had a chance to win the regular season championship for only the fifth time in program history. That's exactly what Justin Hill's team did. 
swept Houston Baptist University, claimed the regular season championship for the Southland Conference, the one seed they will host. Half the bracket's going to be at Southeastern. The other half's going to be in Lake Charles. They'll get to work on Thursday for their conference tournament. Oh, by the way, after yesterday's win and after sweeping over the weekend, the Menise Cowboys coach, Justin Hill, can tie Tony Robichaux's record for most wins in McNeese baseball history on Thursday. Special moment. Tony turned that program and made it into a great low-level program. Then, of course, he went on to come to UL and did tremendous things for the Raging Cajuns, including making it to the College World Series. If... McNeese wins their opening game of the Southland Conference Tournament at home on Thursday. Justin Hill will tie Tony Robichaux for most wins in McNeese baseball coaching history. Absolutely phenomenal accomplishment for Hill as they are trying to get back to an NCAA regional for the third straight year. But enough of the weekend that was. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on. James to the show. James, good morning to you, brother. Thank you for patiently waiting, my friend. What's on your mind, bud? Hey, man, I want to talk about the Saints um, and get your take on a couple things. By all means, bud. I, I never, I, I don't remember the last time I was this excited for a Saints season. And, and I'm an ultimate, you know, Saints homer. I love them. Been going to the games. I went as a baby, and I didn't even know I went for the first season with my mom and dad. But I'm excited. Everything they've done this year has been methodical. It's been the right choice. The way they're building this, I love it. It's setting up from, you know, all the quarterbacks from the NFC going to the AFC. Our division, I think, is going to be weak with weak coaches, new coaches. I think father time, you know, in the shape of uh, an angry Saints defensive end in a 94 uniform is going to catch up to Tom Brady. Um, But I'm mad about something. And you haven't touched on it. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you will. But Drew Brees, after taking a year and doing his best impersonation of a you know cigar store wooden Indian statue on TV and getting fired, is dropping hints like he's going to come back and play. I think that's selfish. I think that's disrespectful. And I think we need to trade Peyton to Dallas and their horrible general manager for a couple number one draft picks. And Dallas can have Drew and Sean. And we'll kick them out of the playoffs if they're lucky enough to make it. James with the fire on a Monday, bud. Appreciate the phone call, brother. Someone is an early front runner for the game changer of the week. My man came with the fire. I want to touch on the Drew Brees thing. I'll, I'll, I'll do it briefly before we take a timeout. I know we're running a little late. The timing of it is awful. And Drew should know better. We're talking about the Saints. We're talking about all this. And look, you can be congratulatory to them. He had a couple of tweets. But the fact that he's either parting ways or, as James said, was fired. You know, they were groomed. That was the whole thing, right? The whole big thing was Drew was going to be part of the the broadcast and then they were going to groom him to take over and everything like this and all these different roles. And now after a year, he's, he's, he's not going to do it. Okay. Does that mean... That he's just not going to do it with NBC? 
Does that mean that he's going to get hooked up and maybe go work for Fox? Could be. There's a lot of money that's being spent, being thrown around on former coaches, players, and broadcasters this offseason when it comes to NFL broadcast. So is Drew just essentially making himself a free agent to make some more money? Possibly. Look, I don't think Drew's going to play. I think it's a little bit of a troll job by Drew. Whether he intended it to be or not, I'm not really for sure. I can't tell you what goes through Drew's mind. But the arm strength that cat had the last couple of years, he, he ain't playing, man. He, he's not playing. He just can't. There's just, there's just no way. But the timing of it all seems weird. Why does this get released on a day where Jarvis Landry is being introduced? Ah, it seems weird. The timing seems off. Now, it could be absolute, just le- uh, absolutely just a coincidence. But the timing's a little off. I will admit to that. Got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, not one, not two, but three teams that you care about. LSU, UL, McNeese, softball programs also all earned berths into NCAA regionals on Sunday. But they're going to have to pack their bags. It's going to be some far trips for the three teams. We'll break it down for you. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. 2-4-9-5-6-7-8. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a set special sneak peek of Top Gun Maverick. That's right. The highly anticipated sequel. You can see it before anyone else. That's right. But you got to simply just text Top Gun to 68683. That's Top Gun to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek May 26th. That's just uh, like 10 days away. To see Top Gun Maverick, of course, starring Tom Cruise, right there at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the Top Gun sneak peek preview brought to you by Big Boy Toys and Hobbies and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. NCAA regionals were announced yesterday for softball. McNeese, UL won their conference tournaments. You knew they were going to get in. LSU had a good enough RPI and good enough national ranking, even though they got bounced early from the SEC tournament. You knew they were going to get in as well. All three do. Louisiana Tech, to the joy of many, in particular Hannah Five Names, did not make it, even though they were the regular season champs. 
they got left out of the field. Five names is devastated. We know how much she loves the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. But three teams get in, and we talked about this last week, that because LSU, its early loss at the SEC tournament, when it lost to an 11 seed, meant having a Louisiana regional was not going to be an option. Last year is exactly what we had. LSU hosted, it got one of the national seeds, and it hosted the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the McNeese Cowgirls. All three teams played in the same regional in Baton Rouge, which made things far more convenient for a lot of us, (laughs) including state softball fans. Well, with LSU's early departure, that ensured that we would not have a home regional, which means everyone would have to be on the road. And that's exactly what happened. Cajuns, Tigers, Cowgirls all earned berths into the NCAA regionals. Two of them earned three seeds. One of them earned a two seed. Start off with the Raging Cajuns. Jerry Glasgow's team, it found out its fate. It's headed to South Carolina for the Clemson Regional. Clemson's your national seed. They're your top seed in that regional. A little bit of a surprise was the fact that UL got the three seed. Now, really, the only difference between two and three seeds when it comes to it is, look, the two and three seeds play each other in the first game anyway. So it's just who's the home team, who's the visitors. And you get to avoid the one seed the very first game as it is. So there's not that much difference between, but there is a a sense of pride. And some people were like, whoa, hey, Cajuns only got a three seed. The fact that they didn't post wins over a ton of quality opponents led to that. They were going to be in, even if they hadn't won the Sun Belt Conference Tournament. It's just, they're probably a very high three seed. Could have been a low two seed if things would have fallen right. But they lost to LSU, and then LSU kind of didn't even host a regional, so it didn't help them. But, Some people believe the Cajuns have a winnable regional. UL is going to take on, excuse me, Auburn, the two seed. Three seed, two seed matchup on Friday. First pitch is set for 130. Clemson's the one seed. They're going to take on University of North Carolina, Wilmington, in the other matchup. LSU, meanwhile, is packing its bags and heading out west for the Tempe Regional. Arizona State's your regional host, national seed. And joining LSU in the Tempe Regional is San Diego State and Cal State Fullerton. LSU's the two seed, 34 wins on the season. They're going to take on the three seed San Diego State on Friday. First pitch is set for seven. It's a little nighttime Friday night softball action. Arizona State's going to take on Cal State Fullerton in the other game. It's the 23rd NCAA Regional and 16th consecutive for LSU. McNeese, meanwhile, is headed north, all the way outside of Chicago, as they go to the Evanston Regional. They're taking on Northwestern. Northwestern's your regional host, your national seed, the Wildcats, 
or as I like to call them, the future lawyers of America. The other two teams are Notre Dame and Oakland. McNeese got the three seed. Last year, they were the four. This year, they got the three. But they're going to take on Notre Dame. It's a 3-2 matchup on Friday. Northwestern, meanwhile, will take on number four seed Oakland. So, all three are tough regionals. Look, when you get to this point, 60-plus best teams in the country, they're all going to be tough. But the matchups aren't exactly great. You like the Cajuns to go toe-in-toe with Auburn, but, man, it's just going to be tough. They got Clemson and Auburn to deal with over there. McNeese has to deal with Northwestern and Notre Dame up in Evanston. And LSU's got to deal with Arizona State. Not exactly easy. But the Raging Cajun softball team, they're feeling good. They're feeling good. And Raina O'Neill, star and one of the veteran players for Jerry Glasgow's team, talked about, you know, their regional opponents and the challenges they face. Well, for me, my first impressions are that we're going to have to get to work on film. These are teams that we don't really see a lot. You know, we play like Texas and LSU a lot every year, so we know more about them. But for these teams, we're going to have to do a lot of um, scouting and work and be prepared because we don't face them on the regular. Don't face them on the regular. And look, we talked about the youth of this team and it developing throughout the year and how they got better. We had open discussions on the airwaves about them maybe losing a conference series and they came close a few times. They never did. They were able to find themselves and mature along the way. Megan Shoreman was a big reason why that was able to happen. And she talked about the growth throughout the year as a team for, this, for the Raging Cajuns. You know, in the beginning of the season, you're going to learn from your mistakes. And so that's what we were doing in the beginning of the season. Like I said, we were young. Um, and so coming out of, like, girls coming out of, um, you know, high school ball and travel ball, it's different. And so we had to grow in those games, and those games made us grow. And that's the difference now. Justin Robichaux is the one that spoke to the media yesterday because Coach Jerry Glasgow has come in contact. He is has COVID, as it's been reported. So he is in quarantine, so he won't be able to join the team, I do believe, until Thursday. So keep our fingers crossed that he comes back healthy and that he'll be able to go with the team for their regional in South Carolina. But Robichaud talked about, you know, bringing the team together for one goal. I think with any, you know, organization and a team, when you start out, you know, it's, uh, it's you know, in this case, 18 girls from all over the United States. In our case, you got two from another country. So that's 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 not an easy task to do to bring that many people into a locker room and bring together on a common goal. And um, I think what they've done a good job of is, is no matter what you throw at them, they'll overcome it. Um, their motto this year is find a way. And I think you've seen that throughout the span of this year. They've they found a way to continue to move forward. Um, and that's where I think we're proud of as a staff is, you know, with the old group and the young group, they've meshed. And when they take the field, their goal is to play softball. Um, and that's, 
that's what you hope for, you know, but sometimes the, the journey of a season takes you through twists and turns. The Cowgirls, meanwhile, they're going up to Evanston. Landrino has his team back in a regional yet again. And look, their goal is very simple. Man, there's no there's nothing fancy about it. The McNeese Cowgirls simply want to win a regional. We got benchmarks we want to make, and like I want to win a regional. And, and this team wants to reach on this program does. And we know it's not easy. You know, it hasn't been done probably by South and School. And, uh, but it, it's something that we're passionate about. And, you know, if we go, I, I want to get to postseason play and our team play the best of their ability. And I feel if we do that, we could have success. But, hey, look, I'll be honest with you. We go out there and we play and we grind and we do everything we're supposed to. Whatever happens, happens. But ultimately, our team, when we talk about it, we want to win a region. That, we, we feel like if you win a regional, that puts you on the national scene. That's what they are trying to do. So, Tigers, Cajuns, Cowgirls, all are going to be in the tournament. I'll make it to an NCAA regional, but none of them are in driving distance. <laughs> I mean, they are, but it's going to take you a couple days to get there. Let's just say that. There's going to have to be a stop in between. LSU in Tempe. Arizona State's your host there. LSU's the two seed. McNeese, the three seed at the Evanston Regional, home of Northwestern. They're your national seed. They're your host team. And the Louisiana Raging Cajuns are the three seed over in the Clemson Regional in South Carolina. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for Downtown Rising with the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience. You can score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the Cold War kids. That's right, our headliners. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win VIP passes for Downtown Rising featuring Cold War kids on Saturday, June the 4th. The Ultimate Downtown Rising VIP Experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Radar Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's check in on the poll question of the day as we wrap up our number one here. Only a few minutes ago, as it's 6.56 on this lovely Monday morning. After signing Jarvis Landry, do you believe the Saints are done making moves? Or do you believe Mickey Loomis and company still got something up their sleeve? Right now, 53% of you say no, they're not done making moves. 29% say maybe. 18% say yes. Brad on Twitter says maybe, but I think Drew was totally being sarcastic and a little spiteful with his comment about playing again. Regardless, let's move on. Who that? Brad is ready for the season. Brad is ready for the season. My man is ready to go. I love it. Hart on Twitter says, they need a vet running back, so I could see that happening. While I feel like it's not a need anymore, I could see them rallying to bring OBJ in on a one-year deal. As far as Drew's cryptic tweets yesterday, he do wonders as a QB coach, but I'm rocking with 2023 MVP candidate Jameis. Hashtag who dat? I love the optimism from y'all this morning. Sets the tone for the show and the week. Hour number one in the books, hour number two, coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Our number two has arrived on this Monday edition of RP3 and Company. Good morning. Appreciate you making us part of your morning commute to work or school. Man, we covered a lot of ground in our number one here on today's show. We talked about Jarvis Landry. That's right, Juice coming home, playing for the Saints one-year deal worth ups, uh, upwards to $6 million, which means that's going to be very much bonus incentive-laden type of contract, which still allows the Saints to make moves if they want to. Jarvis Landry comes home. That happened on Friday. Had the press conference yesterday. Also over the weekend, great weekend if you're a McNeese baseball fan. They swept Houston Baptist University. Went in there, said, fighting Lance Berkman's, half some. They win the regular season championship for the Southland Conference earn the number one seed, and they'll host their half of the bracket there at the Joe starting on Thursday. Also, by the way, if they win Thursday's game, their opener in the Southland Conference Tournament, Justin Hill will tie Tony Robichaux for most wins in Munice baseball history. What an accomplishment and what an emotional night that could be. As good as it was for McNeese, it wasn't as good for, well, the other teams. Raging Cajuns, they were looking to go toe-to-toe with the Sunbelt Conference's best team, the Texas State Bobcats. But the trip to San Marcos resulted in three straight losses. They'll have to lick their wounds, so to speak. They'll welcome in Nichols on Tuesday for their final midweek game of the season and then wrap up the regular season against Little Rock at home there at the Teague. They didn't necessarily play their way out of making an NCAA regional. They didn't help themselves, Matt Deggs' team. But the updated RPI, they didn't move. So they still have a chance. Now they got to take care of business this week, and they're going to have to put together a run at the Sunbelt Conference Tournament to receive an at-large bid to an NCAA regional. Did their chances go down? Absolutely. Are they out of it yet? No, they're not. LSU, meanwhile, a weekend to forget at the box. First time ever that LSU was swept in Baton Rouge by Ole Miss. That's what occurred. LSU, before their weekend series, their next-to-last SEC series of the season had played themselves up to being a 16 seed. They were in the mix to hosting a NCAA regional. 
their RPI dropped them all the way back down into the 30s. Now, credit Ole Miss. They weren't intimidated. They came in. They got the job done. They're fighting for their postseason lives. They played like a team with their hair on fire. Didn't see that sense of urgency from LSU. Weird things with the pitching. Guys threw one pitch and are pulled over the weekend. You're like, what's going on? It was a bit of a bizarre weekend at the box. Now, for LSU, they still have an opportunity, though, because they still got Vandy. Now, Vandy isn't what they used to be. Make no bones about it. They're not nearly as good as they used to be. Not this year, at least. They're having a bit of a down year. Okay. But LSU has to go on the road to Nashville. They got a midweek game against Northwestern State on Tuesday. Then it's a three-game set at Vandy to wrap up the regular season. Then it'll be the SEC tournament in Hoover. LSU traditionally makes a run at the SEC tournament. Can they do that this year? I don't know. Now there's doubt involved with Jay Johnson's team because they just were swept by Ole Miss. Houston Astros, meanwhile, hey, their winning streak came to an end over the weekend. And then they bounced back in a big way. They had built up their winning streak up to 11 games over the weekend. They dropped Saturday's game at the Washington Nationals, came back, shut out the Natties 8 to nothing on Sunday to take the series. They've won 12 of their last 13. They'll begin a three-game series at Boston tonight. First pitch set for 6-10. Of course, you can listen to that game live right here on the game. And on top of all that, NCAA regionals were announced yesterday for softball. LSU Tigers headed out west to Tempe. Arizona State's your national seed there. Tigers are the two seed. They'll take on San Diego State in the first game on Friday. McNeese Cowgirls, they earned the three seed in the Evanston Regional. Northwestern is your national seed there. McNeese is going to be taking on Notre Dame on Friday. And the Raging Cajuns, who will be maybe without Jerry Glasgow, who has COVID, and will be able to come back to the team at the earliest will be Thursday if things progress nicely for Coach. They are in the three seed out there at the Clemson Regional in South Carolina. Whew. Busy weekend. Plus, we got a poll question of the day. We asked you, after signing Jarvis Landry, do you believe the Saints are done making moves? Are they done making moves? 57% of you say no. 26% say maybe. 17% say yes. Our guy, John Paul, Cajun Daddy, says, I do know they won't just leave any cap on the table, but no big splashes will be made. Good morning. Yeah, I think you're going to see, look, Tyron is a big splash move, right? Jarvis Landry, big splash move. Are the moves they're still going to make, are they going to be the ones that are going to, you know, increase jersey sales and shut down the website at NFLshop.com? No. Are they going to be beneficial to the team? Yep. I still think they're going to bring in a veteran running back. 
Jason Ayer says, why not bring in Regis? He's cheap and looked great for Las Vegas. Should have made the roster all year. Hey, now. Now we're talking. Trey Regis did look really good in the preseason. You thought he was going to make the roster, and for some reason he didn't there in Las Vegas. He looked really good, former Raging Cajun star. So keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and the Twitters. But let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Doug to the show. Doug, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Oh, Ray, uh, softball. I watch softball all weekend long. I watch some of that LSU baseball game. Uh, after that second game, I gave up on them guys. Good Lord. Oh, they look, man, they look bad over the weekend, bud. They look bad over the weekend. Oh, bad ain't the word, Ray. It's, it's terrible. Now, Ray, Lady Cajuns against Auburn. That's a good matchup. It is a good matchup. A good, I like I like their yeah, chances in that regional, Doug. I do. Now, Auburn's got a good pitcher uh, in Pensa, but there's two there's two sets of stats that separate the Cajuns from Auburn, Ray, and that's RBI. The Cajuns got high RBI numbers. Uh, Auburn Tigers are like at a 270, high 70s, 280 RBIs for the year. The Cajuns are up in the 320s. I mean, Lady Cajuns are bringing runners in, you know. They, and look, their bats came alive against Texas State. That was a good game. Good game. I expect Lady Tigers to, to handle up on uh, San Diego State now, when they match up with Arizona State. Uh, that's a different thing. I mean, who knows what's going to happen there. But just a lot of good softball coming up, Ray. I know. What do you think about McNeese Cowgirls, Doug? You like their chances up in Evanston? I do. I do. I do like their chances up there. Uh, Northwestern's a good a good team, Ray. Notre Dame is, too. Uh, McNeese is facing Notre Dame, am I right? Right. They're facing Notre Dame first up. That's the 2-3 right. matchup, right. right. Okay, yeah. I was just... My mind kind of froze up. But, yeah, McNeese should be able to uh, make a run, Ray. Who knows? I mean, you just never know it in softball. It, it, one swing of the bat, one pitcher, I mean, it's, it's it's great. That's why I love softball, Ray. It's just, you know, hair ribbons in the hair and everything. I, now, Ray, I draw the line with false eyelashes, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> There's no false eyelashes on the softball field, Ray. Oh, I love it. I oh love it. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Bud, appreciate the phone call. Enjoy your day, Doug. Thank you, Ray. My, my man Doug says, you can go with the ribbons. You go with the chance. It's great. I, I, I ain't rocking the fake eyelashes. I ain't down for that. Well, me and we'll talk to Sam Landry because she has fake eyelashes on for the game. I know. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about. Uh, appreciate Doug's phone call. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on Mr. Green, a.k.a. Jamie. Jamie, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, good morning, Mr. Third. So, first of all, I'd like to say uh, Tampa Bay Lightning are still in the uh, mix for the Stanley Cup, their third straight. So, uh, hopefully that pays off. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs make an early exit, as they always do. And uh, with the Suns getting eliminated, it is no longer CP3. His name is fully just Christopher. Christopher. And he got his tail whooped. So Christopher is out of the playoffs. And uh, with the the question of the day, your poll question of the day, God, I hope the 
Saints are done. I hope they're done. As a Tampa it's Bay fan, you do. Word, as a Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> fan, I'm just looking to go and stop. Please, please just stop. Make, make the pain stop. Make the pain stop, Mr. Third. Make the pain stop. Make the pain stop. I can't help you there, bud. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, brother. I can't help you there. I wish I could. I really do. I wish I could help you there. No, no you really don't. I mean, you're you're a Washington fan. You feel my pain here. So, anyway, I hope you guys have a great week. Appreciate the phone call, Jamie. Enjoy your day, bud. Yeah, if you're the rest of the teams in the NFC South, you're like, really? What's going on? They, they, they're not stopping. They're not. You thought if you're a fan of the Panthers, Falcons, and Bucks, you saw the Saints and you're like, hey, Drew Brees has left. Look, you know, look at this team. Yeah, they nearly made the playoffs last year, but they don't have a quarterback on the roster because Jameis got hurt and now Sean Payton's left. And you're probably thinking to yourself, all right, it's ours for the taking. And then they turn around and they're like, no, nah, we're good. We're going to draft really well. We're going to bring in Tyron Matthew. We're going to bring in Jarvis Landry. We drafted Chris Olave. Drafted offensive linemen. Yeah. Thanks. Saints being aggressive. They're not stopping. Didn't even go. We were very <laughs> on the fence, too, about it. To see a Tyron or if Jarvis is going to come. Like, oh, they may, but probably not. We're not going to get them. We already have enough, you know, with the pigs. We did well. We're going to do well the draft. And then now we both have both of them signed with us. So, uh, yeah. Now, <laughs> now everyone's got to be healthy. Yes. And you are dealing with new coaches, right? You, you are dealing with Dennis Allen as the head coach. The Sean Payton in his ginormous laminated call sheet is no longer there. So there is going to be a change. In the team that you're expected to that you have expected to see for the last few years, it's not going to be the team that you're going to see. Now, I, I digress. You'll see the defense. This will be a team led by its defense, and the offense is going to be sneaky good if they play to their potential. Right? Got to fix that offensive line. I, I, I'm not even worried about Jameis. I think Jameis is going to be fine. I saw Jameis turn a corner with this team before he got injured. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll come back from the injury. Can they fix the O-line? That's why you brought in Doug Marone to do that. That's Doug's job to fix Cesar Ruiz and to fix Andres Pete and to develop the youngsters. That's going to be their biggest task. The biggest question mark for me is, for the Saints, whether or not they can be a Super Bowl contender or not, is whether or not they can fix their offensive line issues. Part of that was injuries last year. Part of that was just poor play. That was part of it. Warren with the question via the email, which I love. I love email questions. If the Saints sign Daryl Williams, that's a name that's been bantied about as well. Quan Alexander and Akeem Hicks, would you say the Saints are the favorite in the NFC, maybe behind the Rams and Bucks? I think the Bucks and the Saints are on the same level right now. I, I really do. You, you have to kind of defer to the Rams because they are the defending champs. And yeah, they lost some pieces, from that team, but they also made some moves in the offseason. But I think the NFC is wide open. Green Bay lost talent. The Packers lost talent. And so, I mean, I think there's still going to be a playoff team. But I think the NFC is wide open now. I, I really do. 
I wouldn't be surprised if you saw you see a Super Bowl hangover with the Los Angeles Rams. I, I wouldn't be surprised. But the Saints have have to make some moves. Daryl Williams, whew, that would be a good one. And Warren also asked, do you see the Saints cutting Ian Book and letting Hill be the third emergency quarterback? No, I really think Dennis Allen and the front office is now committed to Taysom Hill being in that Joker role. I, I really honestly believe. Look, they brought in Andy Dalton for a reason to be the backup quarterback. That way Taysom doesn't play quarterback. He doesn't get, you know, he's not throwing 15 balls a game. You still bring in Taysom, maybe use him on trick plays. But I do not believe Taysom Hill is going to be your your third string emergency quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if Ian Book's just on the practice squad, though. I could see that. And yes, also the the final question that Warren sent. Do you think Drew Brees is playing days? Do you think Drew plays football this season? I do not. I think it's a bit of a troll job, his, his tweets and everything like that. I think his playing days are behind him. He played probably two seasons more than he wanted to and that his body would really allow him because his body started to break down on him, as it always does. Except for the case of Tom Brady. It has not done that yet. Man's a cyborg. It's the only thing I can guess there. Thanks for the phone calls. Thanks for the emailed questions. Thanks for the comments on the poll question of the day. Keep it coming. Leave those comments on Facebook and Twitter. Keep those phone calls coming. Game hotlines open 337-706-0111. You listen to RP3 and company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 16th, 2009. St. Martin Parish native and Hall of Fame jockey Calvin Burrell rides Rachel Alexandria to victory in the 134th Preakness. It was the first time a Philly won the second leg of the Triple Crown in 85 years. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, delicious Gulf seafood. Woo, you can take your lady out and have a great time at the Half Shell Oyster House. Or you could also score a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse down at Cypress Bayou. Mouth-watering steaks, delicious sides, adult beverages. They even have a cigar room. So you want to score that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse down at Cypress Bayou? We want to hook you up with them. But you can only win them by becoming members of our clubhouse Go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free to do so. 
Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on Mike to the show. Mike, good morning. Thank you for patiently waiting. Brother, what's on your mind, my friend? Mike had to get to work. Mike had to get to work. Let's talk about the NBA playoffs while we have a few moments here. Mike wants to call back. Hotline is open, 337-706-0111. We had two game sevens on Sunday. And I don't believe anyone saw these results coming. Not that the fact that the teams won. No, because Milwaukee and Boston has been had been a dogfight all series long, right? Back and forth affair. And Dallas showed a lot of heart coming back down from 2-0 against Phoenix. Plus, they have Luka, who's nearly unstoppable. It's the way they ended. Game sevens are supposed to be about drama. Supposed to be, they're supposed to be theater, right? They were not. They were route city. Boston crushed Milwaukee in the first game. 109 to 81. They set a new record of 22 three-pointers made in the ball game. Milwaukee's your defending champs. They were no match. Chris Middleton being out played a huge role in this series. We spoke about it last week. We spoke about it with Dan Favalli of Bleacher Report as well. Giannis Giannis had 25 points and 20 rebounds yesterday, and they still lost by 30 points. Just unbelievable. Drew Holiday tried to step up, but he was 9-21 from the field, had 21 points. But credit Boston. They had three starter score, 11 points or more. Four starter score, 11 points or more. Then they had Pritchard come off the bench and give him 14 They were the healthier team, the far more balanced team, and they set the tone. Milwaukee raced out to a six-point lead after the first. Then Boston turned on the Jets, flipped it in the second, and just kept it moving. So the Celtics now move on. In the Eastern Conference Finals between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics, they mirror each other in a lot of ways. Neither one of them have a superstar on the roster. I love Jimmy Butler's game. I love Jimmy Butler as a player. I love Jason Tatum's game. And I love him as a player. Neither one of them are superstars. If you're saying top 10 players in the league, they're probably not in the top 10. You're probably in the conversation for top 15. But the way Miami and Boston's rosters are built is what's important. And, man, they built some great rosters. They have depth, and both teams play defense. This should be a really good Eastern Conference Finals between Boston and Miami. Over in the West, you're defending Western Conference champs. Don't make it back to the Western Conference Finals. The Phoenix Suns were up on Dallas two games to none in this series. And they get absolutely trucked yesterday by Luka and company. That game was in Phoenix, by the way. At home, game seven, a berth to the Western Conference Finals on the line. 
Yet Chris Paul finds himself for the fifth time in his career after being up two games to none, losing a seven-game series. It's an interesting little tidbit about CP3. Mavericks crush Phoenix 123-90. to Phoenix had 27 points at halftime. Luka had 27 points by himself at halftime. But by himself. He goes on to drop 35 on the night. Phoenix didn't show up. It was gut check time, and they didn't have a gut. And now, the two teams that played for the title last year don't even make it to their conference finals. Phoenix was the number one overall seed in the West. The number two overall seed was also eliminated in Memphis. So you got Golden State, the veteran group with Steph and Clay and Draymond, and they've retooled that roster with some new pieces. They have a perfect opportunity to get back to the finals, but standing in their way, the Wiley Vets, standing in the Wiley Vets' way, Luka, who is ascending, who has emerged now as a top 10 player in this league. That's fascinating to me what Golden State's going to do. Does Dallas have enough help with Luka to be able to win that series? Because they figured out guys stepped up for them to beat Phoenix. The one seed, you're defending Western Conference champs. Can they do it again after a long series? Because they've had back-to-back long series. Dallas has. Can they take down Golden State? So Warriors, Mavericks in the Western Conference, Celtics, Heat in the Eastern Conference. Your conference finals are now set. Woo! It's going to be a good one. NBA playoffs. It's going to be a good one. Trivia question of the day. Starting today on RP3 and Company and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mess, Mesh, we will be giving away tickets to Downtown Rising. You want to know how you can win tickets to Downtown Rising to see the Cold War kids? You simply call us up and answer a trivia question. First person to answer correctly to our trivia question will win the tickets. It's that simple. It's that simple. Tickets to Downtown Rising to see the Cold War kids perform next month. First question, you call the hotline with the correct answer. You talk to Miss Five Names. If you're the first one to answer correctly, you get to be put in the system. You will win the tickets. Game hotline is 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Your poll question of the day for the tickets. Who was the first Saints wide receiver to eclipse 1,000 yards in a season? Once again, who was the first Saints wide receiver to eclipse 1,000 yards in a season? Call us on the hotline, 337-706-0111. First to answer correctly, we'll win the tickets to Downtown Rising. Have already confirmed who the who the, what the correct answer is with Mr. Saints Encyclopedia, Kevin Foote, sure have. Give us a call. Game hotline, 337-706-0111. First Saints wide receiver to eclipse 1,000 yards in a season. You answer that correctly, you're going to score tickets to Downtown Rising. 
We got to take a timeout. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has? Think again. There was Little Vainant. There was Little Foot, Little Bubba. There was LD, which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo. Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair at the Cajun Dome, May 26th to June the 5th. Trust me, those ride tickets get expensive. Woo! You can drop a pretty penny at the fair with the little one. You know this. You know this. Here's the deal. We want to help you out with that. We want you to have a good time at the Cajun Heartland State Fair. You can win some ride tickets. Simply text CHSF to 68683. That's CHSF to 68683 to score a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. Once again, text CHSF to 68683 to win a family four-pack of tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. We do have a winner for our downtown rising Trivia question. We asked you, who was the first Saints wide receiver to eclipse 1,000 yards? We have a winner. We'll unveil that later on here on today's RP3 and company. Hey, you want to score some more tickets? Tune in tomorrow morning. Also, tune in this afternoon. Every day this week and next week, RP3 and company and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh we will be giving away tickets to Downtown Rising with sports trivia questions. You want to score free tickets to go see the Cold War kids? Boom. Call up, answer our trivia questions, be the first to do so. There you go. We already got ourselves a winner. Got ourselves a winner. Producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names will unveil who that is later on this hour. But right now, it's time for us to talk all things LSU with the man who's the news and sports director for the Louisiana Radio Network. He's also co-host of Tiger Rag Radio. It's our good friend, Jeff Palermo. Jeff, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing well, Raymond. What's going on with you guys today? Uh, first question, this is what's going on. Uh, first question, uh, what in the tarnation happened at the box over the weekend? <laughs> well, uh could we just say baseball? I know a lot of people to hate that explanation or that answer. <laughs> it's true. Uh, be, it's true. But you got a team um, in Ole Miss who, coming into the year, was ranked uh, in the top ten, and they and they played like a, a top ten team. 
and uh, LSU is a little banged up. Uh, you're missing a, one of your major bats, uh, Jacob Berry. Uh, Gavin Dugas is another guy that uh, is banged up. Um, you know, Mikhail Hillier can't be, you know, g- good every time. And so uh, this is – and then, you, you know, you got your other issues at starting pitching, and, you, and you're just trying to mix and match uh, for two days. Mix or max for, for two days, and, and you can't get it done. So um, it, it catches up to you. Catches up to them. Look, I know Ole Miss is playing better, and credit that team and that program for rallying around their coach, especially with so much speculation that they were going to be moving on from him after the season. They've really turned a corner, played far better the last month of the season. But it's the first time ever, Jeff, that LSU's been swept by Ole Miss in Baton Rouge. Did this expose LSU, or is this a blip on the radar for the Tigers? Well, it could be just a blip on the radar because, you know what, this team has played very well for most of the season. And, 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 you, can't, and you can't just ignore that, right? Um, I mean, you're going to have some bad weekends, and this team's been playing very well. And they, they had a bad weekend. Um, the, the, the pitching strategy didn't work. Um, again, you're, you're kind of banged up. You're kind of injured. And eventually, there, there's a reason why Ole Miss was ranked in the top ten to begin the season. Because offensively, they're that good. And they hit, uh, what, they hit, I wrote it down and I left it at work last night, but they, they hit over eight home runs in the three-game the three game series. I think they hit ten home runs, something like that. So, or 11, something. I mean, it was, uh, they, you know, they, they, they looked like a top ten team offensively. Uh, and they got a stud as a Friday night starter who was able to come back the next day despite the game being postponed. So, I, I mean, I think they can regroup. Now, the, the question is, you know, what can they do this weekend against in Nashville against Vanderbilt? Can they can they go into Vandy's home stadium, win a series, and still put themselves back in position of hosting a regional? Uh, what this weekend may have done is cost them a regional because now they're on the bubble, and I think they're on the bad side of the bubble as far as hosting a regional. Yeah, that's my biggest takeaway too, Jeff, is they dropped in the RPI, and I know that doesn't determine everything, but they dropped all the way into the 30s after the weekend and losing, being swept by Ole Miss. Now, they traditionally always do really well in Hoover, right? If you if you can go to Nashville and take two or three from Vandy, that puts you in a position, and if you make a run at the SEC tournament, you could maybe play yourself way back, uh, uh, back into a position to host a regional but it sure is going to be a, a huge challenge now, right, for Jay Johnson's team, especially with the fact that they're still banged up. They're not going to get any healthier in Nashville or at the SEC tournament. Well, can you get Jacob Berry back here? I mean, we're talking about a fractured, you know, a, a fractured bone or whatever in his finger. Could could you can you get him back? Say by the time Hoover rolls around, um, I, I always felt like that they could do some damage in Hoover this year because they got a good offense. And I think they're very, even though they, they don't have terrific starting pitching, I think they have a lot of pitching depth that could get them through a, uh, a week there again in, in Hoover. So 
I, I thought they could have a, a, a nice run there. Um, but uh, again, uh, they got uh, they got they got ex- uh, they got exposed a little bit this weekend. And we'll see how they can uh, they can bounce back. And, you know, they were swinging such a hot bat too. And eventually, though, it's just it's just hard to keep scoring seven, eight, nine runs every game. I mean, it's just it's eventually going to catch up to you, and it kind of it caught up to them. And again, it's uh, sometimes in baseball, really in all sports, right? It's sometimes uh, when you play a certain team that really matters. You know, <laughs> it just doesn't probably happen in April when Ole Miss is struggling to find itself. They brought Blake Money out of the pen on Saturday and trying to see if they can figure out how to fix him that way. Three innings, five hits, three runs, only one of them earned. Is he broken? Yeah, I don't know really what you do here with Blake Money going forward. And I think that's the thing that's really it's very difficult, very hard to comprehend. Um, you know, what what happened here? Uh, was this guy just successful because he was pitching against Maine and, uh, you know, some of these teams early on in the year and he could just overpower them. But once he got uh, into some better competition, but he, but he pitched well in Houston too. He, I mean, he, he pitched really well in yeah. the opening game. Um, and um, so it's, it's hard to say, you know, he suffers that injury. Uh, I mean, has he been pitching hurt all year? Not sure. You don't really get you know much of an answer from Jay Johnson on it. When anybody ever asks him what's going on with Blake Money, it, there's not really a, a concrete answer there. I, I, not to say that Jay doesn't know what's going on. I just don't think he wants to divulge it. And so they, uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough because here's the guy that you're anticipating being one of your. You, you might, he, even if he wasn't. Even if he didn't last the season as your Friday night starter, it's still disappointing that he isn't a major weapon right now as a starting pitching at this point. And uh, that's got to be really disappointing and something that uh, has to be a little head-scratching to uh, Jay Johnson and the staff. Another moment that kind of stands out to me over the weekend, because it was a a weird weekend at the box, uh, was Samuel Dudden. He gets pulled after one pitch. I've never seen that in college before. Uh, he didn't seem to be too happy about it either. And but they they gave him a quick yank there. Uh, what do you make of the way they approached pitching on Saturday in the second game and also on Sunday in the third game? Well, what Jay Johnson said that that was the plan was for Dutton to just pitch to their Ole Miss leadoff hitter. And then they were going to bring in Jacob Hasty. They, they wanted to uh, have a right-hander face Old Miss's leadoff hitter, and it didn't work. First pitch gets hit for a double, and yeah. then they bring in Hasty. Uh, that is just the analytical part of the game um, in baseball, and I think it it frustrates a lot of people, especially when the plan doesn't work out. But uh, this is what you see. Well, maybe not to this extreme where in, in Major League Baseball you you throw to one batter because, well, now you can't. You have to at least face a minimum of three batters. But, I mean, you see it in the Major Leagues. You'll see uh, a guy go out there and he'll just only pitch the first inning. You know, if it, if it's a lineup or something, and the Majors has a couple of tough left-handed hitters at the top of the order, 
they'll bring in a left-hander just to pitch that first inning and get them off to a good start, and then they'll they'll go bullpen the rest of the day. And that was kind of the plan that LSU wanted to do, but it but it didn't work. And uh, yeah, I, I I don't think Sam was too happy. I, I uh, but uh, according to Jay, that was the plan. So it it should not have come as a surprise to uh, Sam Dutton. Jeff, appreciate your time. As always, enjoy Tiger Rag Radio this week, brother, and we'll talk to you next Monday, my friend. All right. Sounds good, guys. Have a good one. That's Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network. Sports director, news director. He's also co-host of Tiger Rag Radio. You know, we talked about how busy of a weekend it was, right? Huge weekend, huge sports weekend. Conference tournaments wrapped up for softball, for college softball. We had college baseball series left and right. NBA playoffs, we got the conference finals now set. It was also a big weekend in the Parch household. Dance recital photos were taken yesterday. It was a whole thing. Whole thing. Daughter, champion, wife, fighting, being under the weather, champion, getting the makeup done, the outfits, multiple outfits were done because you have to look absolutely fabulous for the dancing photos. So, what was my role in all of this, you ask? Nothing. I stood out of the way. I made sure to take care of things around the house. Burn the burn pile, check. Kill ants, check. Find another basketball for the kid, check. And, you know, do some dishes and do some laundry. That was my job. I stood out of the way as the ladies got to be looking absolutely fabulous. So, not to brag, I know there was a lot going on, but Parchasold may have won the weekend. Just saying. Just saying. Got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't go through another summer with that awful joint pain. Call QC Kinetics right now. Hey, it's Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. That pain in your back, your knees, your shoulder, it can now be treated with the latest in precision medicine. Using natural biologics. Growth factors that can restore and repair damaged tissue. Really exciting stuff. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine, giving you access right here to this modern-day joint pain solution. You can get lasting joint pain relief with no drugs, no steroids, no downtime, and guess what? No surgery. You've heard Emmett Smith raving about QC Kinetics. You've read or seen other high-profile people talking about it. Regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can help you get your life back. Take action right now. Get a free consultation. Powerful, effective joint pain treatments with natural biologics are here. Call QC Kinetics right now. 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. We have a winner. Downtown rising ticket winner. Our trivia question was, it's a good one. Who was the first Saints wide receiver to eclipse 1,000 yards in a season? First one to do that in a season. It was old Danny Abramowitz. That's who did it. Back in the day, you had to go back in time to find out when that occurred. But he was the first. 1969 had 73 catches for 1,015 yards, seven touchdowns. The first great wide receiver 
in Saints history. Appreciate everyone who called, but shout out to our winner, producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names, who won the tickets to go see the Cold War kids at Downtown Rising. It was Gaudi Dore from Doosan. Shout out to our guy in Doosan. Enjoy the show. Once again, we'll be giving away Downtown Rising tickets every day this week and every day next week. Right here on RP3 and Company, we'll have a sports trivia question of the day for you to answer. First one to get it right to call in gets to win the tickets. We'll do it on my show as well as our afternoon show, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. And yes, the questions will be different from the morning into the afternoon. Hour number two has come to a close. Hour number three, we'll kick it off with Jay Walker. Going to be talking all things Raging Cajuns with the voice of the Cajuns. That's next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome to hour number three of RP3 and Company on this lovely Monday. It's 8.03. Final hour has arrived, but not to worry. We're going to close it out strong. Tina Howe from Canal Street Chronicles will join us, give her thoughts on the Jarvis Landry signing. And are the Saints done this offseason? They had a very good draft. Mickey Loomis and company have been able to figure out things with the salary cap. And yet, they've been able to bring in Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry. Are they done? Maybe a veteran running back still on the horizon? Maybe some more O-line depth? That leads us to our poll question of the day. After signing Jarvis Landry, do you believe the Saints are done making moves? Or do you believe they still have some moves up their sleeve, so to speak? Right now, 60% of you say no. 23% say maybe. 17% say yes. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Keep leaving your comments on it as well on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update those throughout the final hour of today's show. Right now, though, it's time for us to talk all things Raging Cajuns. Tough weekend for the baseball team as they were swept at Texas State in San Marcos, but their RPI didn't take a huge hit. Actually stayed the same. Softball team, meanwhile, they're gearing up to go to Clemson for the Clemson Regional. As a three seed, were they underseeded? And what if Jerry Glasgow can't go? He has COVID. He found that out yesterday. Could be cleared to come back on Thursday. To break it all down for us is the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. Our good friend Jay Walker joins us now. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I know it was a tiring weekend. You must be feel good to be back at home in your own bed. Uh, yeah, it was. As a matter of fact, I was very comfortable in my bed when the alarm rang, and I said, "Crap! I got to get up and talk to RP." Um, 
<laughs> Sorry, bud. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's okay. It's what we do. And, uh, you know, like I told Hannah, I got out of the shower and uh, the coffee just finished brewing, so life's about to get better. There it is, bud. There it is. All right, we knew it was going to be an immense challenge to take down Texas State. They played extremely well. They were the, they were the best team in the Sunbelt Conference. You were on the call for the games. What stood out to you? What was the biggest difference between Texas State and UL over the weekend? Well, you know, first of all, they're really good. Uh, and the thing that, um, that I knew going in was how good they were in their own ballpark. Um, you know, they've hit now, I think, 79 home runs, and 61 of them have come uh, at the Bobcat ballpark. And so, you know, you, you figure the only – there are two ways, okay? You're either going to have to outscore them or you're going to have to have a guy that can step up and hold them down. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, except for Jacob Schultz on Saturday, I don't think the Cajuns pitched very well. Um, now the other guy. Now the other guys get a lot of credit for that because they're really good, um, but I, I really don't think any of the pitchers are very consistent, other than Schultz. And, and you know, if that's going to happen, then you have to make the most out of every scoring opportunity. And I think in each game, there's there's like one inning or one scenario you can look at and say, you know what, if you've gotten it done right here, you know, maybe you're still playing. So it was combination of some things but i think first of all you got to give a lot of credit to texas state man they're really good they are really good and that's why i wasn't all that surprised that the cajuns rpi really wasn't all that altered right after the weekend series which is is a good indicator for them that they still have a chance to get an at-large bid to an ncaa regional they still have work to to do on that how important is it going to be, Jay, for Deggs to make sure his team flushes this weekend behind them and gear up and finish the regular season strong so they can make a run for the conference tournament? Well, you know, you have to, you know, first of all, you have to finish as high as you can in the standings. And so you've got South Alabama nipping at your heels. Yeah. Uh, and so you've got, to, you've got to make sure you stay ahead of them. And, and Ray, look, I'm going to be realistic here. I think the Cajuns needed to get at least one, probably two, in order to keep their hopes for an at-large alive. I'm afraid now they're going to have to go in the tournament. So not so not even a run to the the conference uh, the conference tournament championship game. You don't think would get them in? You know, if you look at their um, at their record now against quad one teams, uh, now you're in fourth place. So that means you're you're talking about a four bid league with three at-larges. Mm. Uh, and I don't know that the Sun Belts ever had that. I know that we've had four bids before, but that's always been somebody jumping up and and winning the, the tournament, tournament that wasn't going to get in otherwise. Right. I'm I'm a realist on this. You know, I think you do have a chance to improve your resume once you get to the tournament, but it's going to be very very difficult. I, I I just think they need to go in with the mindset: let's win today, advance, win tomorrow, and you got to get to Sunday. And I think you got to win there. They wrap up the regular season this week. All the games are going to be at home. What are some of the big challenges from the final midweek opponent and that final weekend series? Well, Nichols is a, is a team that probably the Cajuns should you know, should have beat over in uh, over in Thibodeau. Um, they're they've they've had their ups and downs this year. They've been a pretty much a five hundred club in the Southland Conference, and they're pretty much five hundred overall. They've had their good days and their bad days, and when they have good days, they're a pretty decent club. 
But you know what? Cajuns are swinging the bats now. And uh, I expect that they're going to swing the bats and take care of their business on Tuesday. And they're going to need to swing the bats this weekend because this Little Rock team that's coming in is, um, first of all, they got a guy, okay? Hayden Arnold was the pitcher of the year in the Sun Belt last year. Uh, he's going to keep him in the game in game one. And, um, and as Georgia Southern found out in game two, they got quite a few guys who can swing the bat. So Little Rock's going to be a formidable opponent. Um, but the Cajuns are going to have to pitch better than they did and continue to swing the bat because this team is, has put it together offensively for the most part. We're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company, talking all things Raging Cajuns. What do you think the X factor needs to be? You mentioned that they didn't pitch very well in San Marcos, and look, Texas State's a really good team, especially at the dish. What do you think the X factor is going to be for them to finish the season strong and make a run at the conference tournament, Jay? Well, I, you know, I just think some consistency on the bump. You know, I can make a case for every single guy that's on that pitching staff as far as them being good and being able to get it done. Uh, the problem is very few of them have done it consistently. And so if they're going to make a run in the conference tournament, the bullpen has to step up. The starters have to step up. I mean, Jeff Wilson had a tough day yesterday. Um, so I think everybody in that pitching staff's got to step up and pitch consistently during the conference tournament. That's the key for them, I think, if they're, if they're going to be playing after next weekend. Um, because, look, the Cajuns are going to hit the ball and score runs. Jay, let's switch over to softball. They win their conference tournament. Not a not a huge surprise. They they get tested a little bit along the way, but they win the conference tournament. They got a three seed. Some people kind of that rubbed them the wrong way. Were you surprised that the Cajuns, based on what they were able to do start to finish, were only a three seed in an NCAA regional? I thought it was going to be close. Um, you know, I, I thought I thought they were a borderline three two. Um, I thought that maybe getting through the conference tournament unbeaten might have been enough to get them a two. But I think what that speaks to, Ray, is that this league wasn't near as good this year as it was a year ago when they got four teams into the NCAAs. That's fair. They, they only got the Cajuns this time around. So I, I don't think the league helped them this time. I mean, they, they won like 23 out of 24, and that's great. But, um, you know, most of those wins came against inferior opponents in conference. So I, I figured they'd be a borderline 3-2. I thought they had done enough to get a 2. Um, I, I think it, it really doesn't make a hill of beans because if they had done enough to get a 2, then they would have a very formidable 3. I mean, you know, suppose suppose you go out and they say, okay, Louisiana's number 2, Auburn's number 3. Well, you're still playing Auburn. Do you feel any better? I mean, it, it's um, you were going to play a tough opponent in round 1 because you were either a lower 2 or a higher 3 seed. So you're going to face a good opponent, and um, they are. I, I think that I think that three seed thing is is the fans' ego more than anything else. I think it's just the the job of this team now to get ready to play in a regional, something that most of them or a good part of them have never done before. And they may have to do it without their skipper, Jerry Glasgow. We find out yesterday has COVID. They're hopeful that he'll be cleared to uh, come back to the team on Thursday. But that's going to make things a little disjointed with this ball club. 
Um, what do you make of that, and how much of a challenge is that going to be for this Raging Cajuns team? I, I assuming that Coach Glasgow is able to come back on Thursday. I, I don't. I don't think this does anything. Um, you know, Kevin Myers and Lacey Prejean and Justin Robichaud are more than capable of putting this team uh, through their workouts and the things that they have to do before they leave to go to Clemson. Um, it, obviously, it becomes a little different if Jerry's not there for the regional. But I, I, I don't think it's a big deal as far as preparation are concerned. I mean, that's why he's got a coaching staff. They play Auburn. Clemson as well will will be on the horizon. It, it, it's it's going to be a tough regional, but all regionals are right, Jay. So, what what do you, what do you, what are the chances that you're given uh, the Raging Cajuns to possibly winning the Clemson regional? You know, this is going to sound this is going to sound crazy, but look, this team's playing its best softball right now. You know, the reason that they're a three seed is because of some of the stuff that happened to them earlier in the season. Um. They're playing their best softball right now, and I, I think they're capable when they when they go out there against Auburn in Game One. But you know, here's the thing that that I like about this. Okay, you got Clemson, who's a ten seed. Okay, they didn't send you to Tuscaloosa, they didn't send you to Norman, they sent you to Clemson. Very nice club, a very good club out of the ACC. But there's no mental block there because it's not an it's not an SEC school. Correct. Now, now let's suppose you win that. Well, then you're matched up with the seven again. You're not in Tuscaloosa. You're not in Norman. So I think this bracket sets up okay for them. Um, obviously, they have to go out, play well, and they have to win. But I do think, even though they're a three seed, I think they're better than that, and I think they played better than that down the stretch. I give them I give them a chance. I, I, I give them a chance to get it done in Clemson, and then if you do that, then who knows? But I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't terrible with the draw. I really wasn't. Jay, appreciate your time as always, brother. Thank you for making it. Get you some rest. Gear up for another exciting week with four games that you're going to be on the call for this week, all from the Teague. And we'll talk to you next week, bud. I appreciate it, Caucasians. Appreciate Jay's time as always. Jay is a realist. You just heard him say that. He says the Cajuns are going to have to win the conference tournament to get an at-large, you know, to get into an NCAA regional. Even though losing to Texas State didn't hurt their RPI, they're not going to get a bump by beating Nichols or beating Little Rock this week. And they're going to have to make a run at the conference tournament. So even I think they could get in. Jay's been doing this a lot longer. Jay seems to say, hey, they're going to have to win it. They're going to have to win their conference tournament if they're going to get into an NCAA regional this year. We'll see. We'll see if Matt Deggs' team can do just that. Hey, you want to see the Houston Astros in person? They won 12 of 13, one of the hottest teams in baseball. Well, guess what? You can Game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston's going to take on the Chicago White Sox Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there in person. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score yourself four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. That's right. White Sox, Astros, 
at Minute Maid, June 18th. It's our latest Astros Weekend Getaway. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Woo! Who doesn't want to see Stroh's hottest team in baseball right now, you could argue. You can see them in person. Got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll take your phone calls. Hotline's open. 337-706-0111. We'll update the poll question of the day. That's all next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Poll question of the day. Jarvis Landry was introduced on Sunday as the latest member of the New Orleans Saints. They've had a busy offseason, bringing in guys like Marcus May and Sorensen to shore up the secondary. Then they signed Honey Badger after the draft. They signed Jarvis Landry after the draft to help with our wide receiving core. The draft itself, they took a wide receiver in the first round, an offensive tackle in the first round. Got a versatile safety in the second round and then got some special teams guys later on. They've been busy. They've been wheeling and dealing. Are they done? Are the Saints done? Or do they still have some moves to make? Maybe at running back, bring in a veteran guy. They tried Sonny Michelle, couldn't make that deal happen. Are they still in the market for one? Can they bring in another guy? Maybe another offensive lineman. That's our poll question of the day. After signing Jarvis Landry, do you believe the Saints are done making moves? 58% of you say no. 26% say maybe. 16% say yes. Steve on Twitter says the Saints have made more moves than an open water swimmer with his trunks full of jellyfish, but I feel they have a few more left. Running back in D-line still need bolstering up. Quality comment by Steve. Darren says Frank Gore coming back. Nice. Frank Gore punched, just like knocked out a guy over in Mississippi at a, in a boxing match over the weekend, by the way. The former longtime running back, top 10 rusher all time. Trying to find an, uh, another career post-football, and he's out there mauling people in a squared circle. Like, why would you want to get in the ring with, with Frank Gore? Like, why would you want to do that? I just don't understand. Did you see the play, guy play football? I mean, I know he may not be a boxer, but he's tough as nails, man. He's tough as nails. I don't know if I would want to get in the ring. You couldn't pay me enough money to get in the ring with Frank Gore. Are you crazy? That guy's tough. He's a beast. Not having my hands be, not having him put his hands on me. No, 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 no. Let's go over to Facebook for some comments. Brian with what I like to call efficiency. That's what I like to call efficiency. He says no. Shout out to Brian with the efficient comment. Martin on Facebook says they can make all the moves they want, but they still aren't winning the Super Bowl, just like the Yankees aren't winning the World Series. That's right. 
Paul, I said what I said, LOL, but I'm just a Cowboys fan watching old Super Bowl highlights from the 90s, so what do I know? And you're doing that on VHS too, by the way, Mark. <laughs> just say it. I might as well say it now for my Cowboys. There's always next year. He already knows. He already knows. It's uh, just next year. Next year it is. Next year it is. Randy says, no, at least I hope not. We still need, really, really need a quarterback. What? What, what is this notion about needing a quarterback? I, I don't I don't understand this notion of everyone not liking Jameis Winston as a starting quarterback. Like you nearly made the playoffs last year with Winston getting hurt, and then you had to start Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, and Ian Book at quarterback. You didn't have Michael Thomas all year an all-pro top-five wide receiver in the National Football League, and you still nearly made the playoffs, a healthy Jameis Winston, you make the playoffs last year, even without Michael Thomas. So I don't understand this notion from some of the fan base, oh, we still need a quarterback. First of all, you don't need the guy to be Drew Brees. You don't. You don't need the guy to put up 4,800 to 5,000 yards and throw for 40 touchdown passes a year to win ballgames. You don't need it. You don't need that. You're going to be led by your defense, and you got a bunch of weapons. You don't need them. And and this whole notion that there's just another Drew Brees lying around just ready to be picked up, Drew Brees was an anomaly. He was a guy that his first team didn't want him anymore. In fact, no team wanted him. The only two teams that wanted Drew Brees were the Dolphins and the Saints. And he would have been a Dolphin because Nick Saban wanted him, but the Dolphins' medical staff did not clear it because they said, we worry about the shoulder. Drew Brees was an anomaly. It was the perfect place at the right time. He came back healthy. One team gave him a chance, and that was the Saints, and he got paired up with an offensive coach that had never been a head coach before. And what they were able to do together is special and unique. Those guys don't grow on trees. Did you see Jameis play last year? Did you look at the stats? He doesn't need to be great. He can be good, and they can win a ton of games. That's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need record-setting quarterback to win in this league. You just don't. It helps. It's great if you have one of those. But ask Green Bay fans how's that worked out for them. They have a guy that everyone says is a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, top five in conversation Aaron Rodgers is. How many Super Bowl titles does he have? He's got one. He's got one more than Jameis Winston. One more. That's it. That's it. Drew Brees only has one. One. So this notion that if you have a great record-setting quarterback, it's going to result into Super Bowl championships. That's not how the game works. It helps. Sure, it helps. Dan Marino rewrote all the record books for 20 years. Made it to one Super Bowl. That was it. Didn't win one. So... Winston will have every opportunity to succeed. And here's the thing. The Saints went out and got a reliable backup quarterback. Andy Dalton is better 
than what Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, and Ian Book were last year. So if something happens to Jameis, let's say he gets injured again, or he just has a rough go of it. He doesn't have it. He tanks. He's awful. He is everything all the naysayers say that he is. You still got all those weapons. You still got a serviceable guy at quarterback that can guide the ship, and you'll be led by your defense. And in a weak NFC, that still means that you're going to be, guess what, a playoff team. You don't have to love Jameis Winston. But so many fans are comparing him to Drew Brees. He's not Drew Brees. There's only one Drew Brees. And Drew had his faults too, by the way. He wasn't perfect. No quarterback is. No player is. No person is. I don't get it, man. I just don't get it. If you don't like him, personality as was, the locker room likes him, the locker room respects him, the coaching staff respects him, and they had the opportunity, Mickey Loomis, the rest of the front office, and Dennis Allen had multiple opportunities to get a different quarterback in there, and they didn't do it. They didn't draft one. They didn't sign one. They signed a backup. They signed Andy Dalton. And before that, they signed Blake Bortles as a backup. They have so much confidence in Jameis Winston. Not only did they not draft a quarterback, they're moving Taysom Hill to tight end. And I know they flirted with Deshaun Watson. I get that. I saw all the reports as well. Is Deshaun Watson better than Jameis Winston? Yep. When you get a chance to get one of those guys, do you try to it? Do you try to kick the tires on the car, so to speak? Absolutely you do. But they still felt enough confidence with Jameis coming back with all the weapons that they're like, you know what? We're going to build around him. Have faith in your team. That's the thing I don't understand. New Orleans is not Washington. New Orleans is not Cleveland. New Orleans is not any other team that's been absolutely filled with dysfunction. Sorry, Jets. The Saints are not the Jets, the Redskins slash football team commanders, or the Browns. They're a well-run organization from top to bottom. They make smart decisions. They know how to adapt. They know how to get the best out of their roster. Have faith in their abilities to do their job. The fact that it's May 16th, 8.30 in the morning, and I'm still sitting here talking about Guys, you, you, you need to at least give Jameis a chance. We're still talking about them needing a quarterback. Really? That's what we're doing? Got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll talk to Tina Howe from Canal Street Chronicles about the Jarvis Landry signing. Are they still done? And how much faith do they have in Jameis Winston? I think they have a ton of faith. Does she agree? We'll find out. That'll be coming up next for the Big Easy Blitz right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. The give to Camara. Breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone. Touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. J 
Jarvis Landry is a New Orleans Saint. <laughs> How about that? Saints continue to pile up assets this offseason through free agency and through the draft. And to break it all down about Juice returning home, the second player to do so this offseason with the New Orleans Saints is the editor of the Canal Street Chronicles, our good friend, the one and only Tina Howell, joins us now on the Big Easy Blitz. Tina, good morning to you. How are you, madam? Hello, good morning, and happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. So, did you think that this was actually going to happen? Not to have not one, but two former LSU Tigers, former guys from the state of Louisiana, come home and play for the Saints this offseason? Initially, no, I did not. But then as of the last couple of weeks, I, I kind of had a feeling. You started seeing some of the players' tweets and and. You know, once we signed Tyron Matthew, I was like, there's there's something to this. You know, they'll say in where there's smoke, there's fire. So uh, I wasn't really surprised when it when it did happen. But, you know, initially when they brought him in in, in April, I was kind of like, well, we'll just see what happens. But, uh, you know, you, you got to pay attention on social media and see the clues. <laughs> uh, yeah, especially now, because these guys interact with each other. You know, look, look they're, they're calling each other. They're texting each other. But. They also interact with each other through social media, and we saw a lot of that with C.D. Deuce and Tyron Matthew, and then we've seen Matthew communicate with Jarvis Landry and others. That leads me to my next question. How much did the Saints signing the Honey Badger play a role in Jarvis Landry coming here as well? Because Jarvis even mentioned the Honey Badger during his press conference yesterday. I, I did. I do think it played a part in it, and I also knew Jameis Winston. I was listening to you earlier before you know I jumped on, but I, I think uh, Jameis Winston played a big part of this too. And, and Jarvis, when he had his his introductory press conference, even mentioned that 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 Jameis Winston is part of the reason why he signed here. And the funny part, you're talking about social media. Now they've got Odell Beckham Jr. involved in all this too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were on social media tweeting each other and, and commenting, and he's like, "Hey, bring me home too." <laughs> So let's just sign all the XLSU players. We went from signing none to, to two so far. Signing them all. You know, I, I was asked about this. What's the likelihood of this? OBJ admitted that the Saints were a finalist. He thought about coming home last season, decides to go to the Rams instead, ends up winning a Super Bowl, key member of their team to do so. He's right now a free agent coming off a, a terrible injury, probably not going to get a long-term deal anywhere, probably is going to have to sign a one-year deal just to prove that he can still play. What's the likelihood now that his best friend and a guy that he's played with in numerous places, LSU and Cleveland, what's the likelihood that Beckham could be in New Orleans? He won't be ready until later on in the season. So I think it all just depends on where we're at in that point. I mean, I'm at, right now I'm at just never say never because this has been one of the craziest Saints off seasons, yeah. ex really exciting off seasons, but never say never, but it just depends on where we're going to be. I mean, if we've got a slew of injuries at, at that position come around, you know, October, if he's ready to go, we could see it happen and possibly not. It just, I, I'm at the point, like I said, never say never because Dennis Allen took over this team and he's put a stamp on it right now and said, Hey, this is my team. This is Dennis's team. And a lot of people were questioning some of the decisions that were because it was a slow off season. I mean, we really weren't making a lot of moves, I think especially talked, especially at first. This. Yeah, especially at first yeah, it was slow. Yes, and now it's just kind of like you know I don't I I think having to do I think what had had a lot to do with this is when we were possibly thinking about signing Deshaun Watson and they moved so much money and it left us with you know I think we were like number two 
with cap with cap space. So I think that had a lot to do with it. We had all this money, we had these needs, and now we were able to sign these players. We had such a great draft class. We've gotten two of those guys under contract already, and we've still got money left over. So this is a this is a position that the Saints are not used to having. We've got good players here signing. You know, we're they're 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 being financially smart about these contracts, which is something the Saints hadn't been in the past. And they talked about that a couple of weeks ago. They said that, you know, we're going to do things different with these contracts and you're starting to see it. They're being very like with, with Jarvis's contract, it's only a one year deal for 6 million when reports were coming out that he wanted like almost 20. So they're being financially responsible with this. So yeah, we've still got money left over and possibly could even make some more moves. Who knows what's going to happen. And the other thing about that, Tino is that, you know, it's it's worth up to six mil, right? So it's incentive based. So that's the other part of that that it doesn't hurt them all that much, and Jarvis gets to play for the team that he rooted for and saw a lot when he was a kid growing up. Quan Alexander, I, I, I'm going to ask you about this. He's still unsigned. He's also a guy that the Saints really like. I know mm-hmm. Pete Werner's probably taken that job, or it appears started to take that job last season. What's the likelihood that they shore up their front seven by bringing back Quan on a team-friendly deal? He hasn't been signed yet. No, he hasn't. And we talked about this actually last week. Uh, I think he, I think the, the likelihood of him returning to the Saints is more than not. But again, it just depends on money factor. And, you know, like you said, where is the need? I mean, that was one thing Tyron Matthews said. He said, the Saints don't necessarily need me, but I want to be there. Well, look, now he's a New Orleans Saint. Yeah, and it's Landry, really, and, 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 and they didn't need Landry either, uh, technically. I mean, well, they really didn't. Yeah, so, I mean, the Saints, the, the, I think the Saints are, are looking at depth positions. Now. Like, we, 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 again, the draft, I mean, to, to get that type of wide receiver, and if Michael Thomas comes back as we expect him to, I mean, our offense just, look, all I know is this, I'm on social media a lot for my job, and uh, our rival teams, their fans are not happy right now <laughs> with what we're doing. They're just, they're like, the Saints are stacked, it's not fair. Well, how many years do we have Drew here, and Drew was throwing to basically nobody? You know, now we've got James, who's younger, faster, has an arm, and we're giving him the weapons. We didn't have those weapons last year, so we're just doing what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, all these other teams stack their players, and look what the Rams did, and, and they went all in last year and won the Super Bowl. Yeah. So it's okay for them to do it, but it's not okay for the Saints to do it. I mean, we're just giving him weapons because we know that he need them. Last season was just. I love Sean Payton. I'll always be grateful for what he's done for this team, but the fact that he sat there in a press conference and said, "I'm okay with the guys in the wide receiver room," no. No, no. And look, I'm glad you brought up Jameis. We're talking with Tina Howe of Canal Street Chronicles. She joins us here on RP3 and Company. I'm still listening and still people are saying, well, yeah, they still need to make a move at quarterback. And I just, I don't understand that notion. If you saw how Jameis played, he was efficient. Was he great? No. Was he efficient? Yes. Was he bad? No. You can win a lot of games with a guy who's efficient. He doesn't have to be great. He doesn't have to be Drew, Tina. and That's the the problem. We have spoiled fans. That's what it is. They're used to having Drew Brees here for 15 years. That's number one problem. Number two, they're seeing the old Jameis Winston. That was in Tampa. Jameis has worked on his fundamentals. He has gotten LASIK surgery, which was a huge problem for him. He admitted to it. I'm basing what I saw when he played here in the black and gold for those seven games. He gave us five wins. 14 touchdowns, three interceptions, 
He had over 102 quarterback rating. What more do you want him to do? And what was he throwing to? And to who was he throwing oh, to? That so that's the other part do of that. You want the guy to, yeah. What, what do you want? What do you want him to do? If you look, if you would have looked at the stats through the entire season, had he stayed healthy, we would have made the playoffs. He would have been a top five quarterback, staying with those numbers throughout the entire season. What more do you want the guy to do? He said all the right things. He's doing all the right things. It's just to me, honestly, it's full fans. And I, lo- I love Drew. I will always be grateful for Drew. But Drew is gone. Sean is gone. This is the new era. We have a new quarterback, a new coach. It's a new regime. It's time to just let it go and and support Jameis. I mean, I don't know what more they want him to do. He's done everything we've asked him to do through those seven games had he not gotten hurt. And that injury was not his fault. So, and, and, so you know, it frustrates me too because I have to sit there and read it. <laughs> and, and the point I made earlier was, Okay, you you want a top five great quarterback, top five elite quarterback that's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Great. Aaron Rodgers is that guy. He's got one ring. Drew Brees was that guy. He has one ring. Like, just because you have one of those guys doesn't mean that you're going to win a Super Bowl. It just doesn't. It's a team sport, and you need more. And this Saints team is loaded on defense, and now you're adding all these weapons on offense. I just – you you should have faith in – Here's the other part of this. You mentioned Dennis Allen putting his stamp on this team. For me, the first move that they made that told me that this was going to be DA's team was when he said, hey, we're moving Taysom to tight end. Like that, mm-hmm. th- th- there was none of that. There was going to be no offseason of, oh, who's in a quarterback battle? How they're going to use Taysom Hill? Yeah. No, it was none of that nonsense. It was, we're moving Taysom to tight end. Moving on. Next. And that showed me, okay, Dennis Allen's putting his stamp on this team the way he wants it ran. This is not going to be Sean Payton 2.0. Do you think Eli Manning is a great quarterback? Is he one of the best, like top 10 quarterbacks? He's got two Super Bowl rings, though. Correct. Correct. Where do they go from here? Still need a running back, right? Yes. Still need a running back. Um, I'd. I, I don't know. <laughs> Looking at who's who's available, I know they brought uh, Sonny Michelle in and he signed with Miami. So. I don't know where they go from there. I mean, I know that they had rookie camp, rookie mini camp this weekend. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I hadn't had a chance to look at all the reports and the players out of out of you know how that how that turned out. Um, I, I did get to happen to see that uh, Lucas Crawl that tight end that I was actually impressed with. He had a really good uh, couple of days, but uh, maybe they're going to sign someone. I just I, I don't know on that end. We definitely need to do something. Kamara's case has been pushed back to August, so if it gets deferred again. That, that helps the Saints case. But then again, Goodell can do what he wants. He's proven that before. So do we expect to see him suspended four games, six games, having forbid eight games? I mean, we just don't know what's going to happen there. For me, it's it's uncomfortable because I don't feel confident in he's going to be here whole, the whole season. It's just I can't say, hey, how many games is he going to be out for and when? This is a tough schedule we have. We can't afford to not have him for any game. So I do think the Saints will do something, but what? What is that going to be and who's that going to be? I really just don't know at this point because there's no one that really stands out to me that I'm impressed with to say, hey, look, we need to go get this guy. But a lot of things can change as we approach training camp, players make rosters and such. But as of right now, it's a concern to me. And but also, I try to focus on the good. <laughs> you try to focus. And also guys get cut, right? That's the other part of that. And, and sometimes exactly. you'll have an opportunity to go. And look, this is also be an, another opportunity for – a guy like Tony Jones Jr., who, when he did get playing time dealing with the injury last year, he did not play well. So this gives him another opportunity to prove, hey, you got a chance here. 
prove that you belong. Plus, I know they're high on the kid out of Baylor. My question to you now, Tina, is this. They've made all these moves, and they probably have a few minor moves left, right? Maybe they add some running back depth. Do you believe they're going to add more depth to the offensive line as well? Maybe with like a middle-tier, second-tier backup type of player? They could. I I, I think if they're going to do something, they may do it on, on the D-line just because – we've had guys coming off of injuries and we just, the, the thing with the saints right now, I, I hate to even say, cause it's like, I feel like I put my foot in the, my mouth, but this off season has not gone the way anyone could have predicted. Oh no. I mean, it's really been shocking. So to me, it's like, I don't know even, I, I don't even like to speculate what's going on over on the LN drive because we just don't know. We still need a little depth on O-line. Yes. We still need a running back. I would still like to see a sign of veteran tight end. I don't think that's going to happen, though, in the perfect world. I also didn't think we were going to get, you know, Honey Badger and Jarvis <laughs> and, and sit here in a conversation and say that we may get OBJ, too, later on down the, in the year. But anything can happen with this team. The Saints have just been full of surprises, but it's been pleasant surprises. I'm happy that they're addressing some of the concerns that Saints fans have had, not just last year, but the last couple of years. I'm excited. I mean, I've seen Saints fans say this for the, the last couple of weeks. Is they are they were not really as excited for the season, and they are now because the Saints are basically putting their money where the you know their mouth is now. They're saying they're going they want to improve, and you're seeing it now, not just on paper. And these are a lot of changes that we haven't seen over the last couple of years. And then especially with the news that broke yesterday with Drew <laughs> trolling everybody that he may come back and play football, which that just but, to but, me, I think that's the big. That's <laughs> it, a great troll job, but quickly, I only got about like thirty seconds, Tina. What do you make of him and NBC parting ways after just one year? I mean, he was supposed to be groomed to be one of their guys. And after a year, it's part of ways. Do you think he still stays in broadcasting? Maybe goes over to Fox? Drew is a highly intelligent guy. He always has a plan. I do think he'll go to Fox. I think Sean will sign a one-year deal. And uh, he'll possibly go over there with him. And I think it would be great if they did. We all know Brady's got that 10-year, I think, deal with, with Fox now. So, uh, I, it'd be fun to see them two together. But, yeah, I do, Drew has a plan. He always has a plan. So uh, I don't think he's coming back to football. I think he just kind of spinned everything off of, you know, him being, I don't want to say fired, but just parting ways with NBC. But uh, I, I will. I expect to see him in the booth again. Tina, appreciate your time. As always, keep up the tremendous work, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Have a great one. That's Tina Howe of Canal Street Chronicles breaking down all things New Orleans Saints football. we got to take our time out. Our final one of today's show, and we'll get you set up for Kevin Foote and Footnotes coming up next. Right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with ride tickets for the Cajun Heartland State Fair at the Cajun Dome, May 26th through June the 5th. Trust me, when you take the little ones to the fair, it can get costly. They want to ride all the rides, and they want to ride them multiple times over and over again. Well, guess what? We want to help you with that. That way it doesn't break the bank for you, so to speak. Simply text CHSF. That's C-H-S-F to 68683 to win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. That's C-H-S-F to 68683 
to win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. It returns to the Cajun Dome May 26th through June the 5th. I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests for helping us kick off the week the right way here on RP3 and Company. Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network and Tiger Rag Radio talking all things LSU. Jay Walker, our buddy with the Raging Cajuns, a longtime voice of the Cajuns, breaking down all things Vermilion and White. And Tina Howe from Canal Street Chronicles talking all things Saints. We did have a poll question of the day. After signing Jarvis Landry, do you believe that the Saints are in fact done making moves? Final results, 58% of you say no. 27% say maybe, and 15% of you say yes. I don't think they have any big splash moves left. Maybe they sign OBJ in the fall when he gets back being healthy. I could see that, especially if someone gets nicked up, banged up. I don't think they're going to make a splash move, but I do think they're going to make some moves to solidify some positions. I don't know who it's going to be. Tina Howe didn't know who it was going to be, but I expect running back to be on top of that list just to bring in another guy. Look, they like Tony Jones Jr. still on the roster. They like the kid out of Baylor that they signed as an undrafted rookie free agent, gave him a quarter of a million dollar guaranteed contract. And you know they love Ingram and, and Alvin Kamara. But I still think running back is going to be a position. Would not be surprised if offensive line and defensive line are positions they tried to add some bodies to before training camp rolls around. But thanks for all who voted on the poll question of the day and all of you that left your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. Good day. Hey, don't forget, tune in this afternoon to Miguez and Mesh with Crunch Time. They're going to be giving away tickets to Downtown Rising. We gave away a pair this morning. They're going to be giving away another pair this afternoon with a sports trivia question. And we'll be doing that all week here on RP3 and Company and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.